Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Again, here in a couple months. But I want to take the next four weeks. February has how many days this year? 28. And so that's why it's called Family 28. And so we want you, and my desire is within 28 days or within the month of February, you have your best family. Okay? Whatever that might be, whatever that looks like, I want you in the next 28 days or in the month of February to go, man, this is my, this is my best. Okay? This family unit, this is, this is our best. No matter where you're at, you go on pastors and don't even know where we're at. Let me, let me just say this, um, and then we're going to dive in here this morning in the remainder of our time. My kids, for those of you that don't know, I'm married to a beautiful woman named Heather. She's serving right now in our K-5. Uh, today, we're, we're uh, looking right now for an associate pastor, so we'll be in prayer for that. Um, that person will be helping us with our children's ministry. And one of the things that my wife and I have is five beautiful kids. We have one daughter, and we have four boys. And... Uh, this last week, my daughter turned 15 and actually drove me on Highway 47. Yeah, so I don't know why we're applauding. We should be praying, okay? No. Um, she, she did a great job. She did a good job. We got, we, I think we hit 35 miles per hour on Highway 47. One. No, she did pretty good. She got higher than that. And uh, I just want to say this, though. As a pastor's kid, you know, pastor's kids kind of have a stigma. You know what I mean? And uh, there's this thing about pastor's kids. They're on really and this and and I just have to say, that's really not my kids. And uh, I'm not here to, like, spout off or be prideful in that, but I am really grateful for how God has blessed me with such awesome children. And uh, from age 7 to 15, that's we have one, one girl and four boys, and they're awesome. And sometimes they end up as a sermon illustration in my messages Sunday mornings. And so um, this is really in honor of them as well in the next few weeks. Um, what I've learned as a parent, what Scripture has to say as a parent. And so what I want to do in these next two days is I want to give you two challenges, okay? And so the first one, go ahead, Levi, you can put that first one up here. The first challenge is this. I want you to be open to what God says about family. That's challenge number one, okay? So I want you right now, no matter your walk, I know we all have different walks of life, and maybe you're not in church. I didn't grow up in the church. Maybe you have an understanding of what family looks like. Maybe you think... You know, you're, there's no hope for your kids, or there's no hope for you to find a spouse, or there's no hope for you to eventually get married, or there's no hope for whatever it might be. I want you to be open to whatever it is that the Word of God says. And if you get mad at for something I present, I don't want you to get mad at me. That's fine. But I don't want you to get mad at the Lord, because I'm speaking the Lord's truth, not my own. Okay? And so this is a biblically founded message. And so challenge number one is be open. I can't force you to do that, but I can ask you to do that. Number two challenge is this. I challenge you in the next 28 days. I can share about it. I can I can talk about it. I can preach about it. But unless you take action and say, I want the best family in 28 days, it won't happen. And so the second challenge is to have the best family within those 28 days. Do you accept the challenge this morning? All right, here we go. All right, so maybe you're thinking, Chris, you know what? I'm grateful that you have these awesome kids. My kids aren't quite like that. I want you to hear me right now because here's the deal. The Spirit of God and the power with whom He sent Jesus Christ for you and I can change 
your family right now. Okay? He can change it right now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to go, all right, we gotta, we gotta figure this out. We gotta change. What can happen is Christ can change the entire atmosphere of your family right in an instant. Maybe you're going, well, there's habits and there's structures. That's going to take time. Okay. We learned last week we have like three or four professional counselors in our church now that, that attend here, which is awesome. They know more about that than I do. They're the experts there. But I can say this. If you decide right now, before the end of the sermon, if you decide this, God can come in and he can change your family for the better. You can have that fast in 28 days as long as you are choosing to say, as for me, if you know it, say with me, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. All right? The scripture out of Joshua, if you don't know that. So for Family 28, the next few Sundays, I challenge your family to add things to your family, take things away, but start seeing your family who you are through God's perspective, not your own. I don't care if you're single. I don't care if you're dating. I don't care if you're divorced, if you're married. Maybe you're going, I'm none of those. I'm just a son or a daughter. Well, God wants you to have your best family within these 28 days, whatever that looks like. And if you feel you're like, you know what? I really don't have a family. You feel like you're kind of singled out or you feel like you're an orphan. I want to say this, and, and by the members and the people that call the Bridge Church home, and we mean this with all of our stinking hearts, your family here, okay? You have family here, all right? I don't know everybody's name all the time. I, I can't, it's just we're at a place where I can't do that all the time anymore. But we're at a place where we want you to know that you have family. You have a church that will walk alongside you with the stuff that you go through in life. That's what this church is about. So here we go. I'm not holding back. Are you ready? Yeah, say yeah. If you're ready, say yeah. Here we go. God created the family. God created the family. What? He owns it. He owns the design on family. He owns the copyright on family. He owns the patent on the family. So if that is true, whatever he says goes, period. Okay, so I'm not here to defend God's desire for family, and I'm not here to make an excuse for any of us who choose not to live under his blessing. That's between you and him. But man, open up and be open to what God says about your family today. Genesis 2.18. Here we go. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Otherwise, I'm going to put these scriptures up on the screen for you. We're going to be in Genesis 2. Verses 18 and then verse 22, and then we're going to head to Ephesians 5. If you'd like to get a head start there, our internet here is a bit of snow, all right? Out here with the bison in the back. Genesis 2.18. The Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I want you to realize something. I share this at weddings a lot. Who was Adam with? Who was he with? He was with God, right? Adam was with God. And what did God just say to Adam? not good for you to be alone. Okay? So if you're married here today, look at your wife and say, I need you. Because you do. Come on, guys. You more than you know. All right. I know some of you. <laughs> God was with Adam, and yet God saw that man was like lost without woman. Okay? He's like, you need a wife. That's seriously what God said. That's the first paraphrase. Genesis 2.22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Women, just so you know, that rib, I said this all the time, that was taken out of us, is the rib that once bred mine. We do not have it any longer. So, I want you to catch something here. The family unit, in God's way, was started before there were children. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> For those that have kids, right? Okay, so the family unit is started with what? A husband and a wife. And so today, I want to tell you, I, I'm very open 
Um, when we do premarital counseling, we talk about sex, we talk about finance, we talk about all that. I just want to talk about sex for a moment, but for those of you with kids here, don't worry too much about keeping it PG, it'll be all good. But in order to have God's order, the things have to happen in His order, in the way that He desires. And so how that happens is marriage in a sexual, marriage, it, where's sex is? Okay, so sex is in that marriage relationship. For there to be kids, something really cool has to happen. It's called sex. Can I hear an amen, guys? Come on. Some of you are like, really, are they talking about this in church? You dang straight we're talking about church. I want my kids to hear it from church. All right? They hear it on the bus a lot. And we get home, we correct it a little bit. All right? I've had, I've had talks with three of my five kids now. And I would say if you have a child third grade or older, talk to them about sex. Okay? Talk to them about sex. God designed sex in order, this beautiful thing, and it's meant for marriage. God designed sex to stay in marriage. Here's the deal. Sex is an incredible thing, right? You better say yeah, okay? Or we're going to have counseling session later. God designed that sex for marriage, okay? And it's a good thing, you know? Sex is awesome. That's what I tell my kids. I'm like, it's a great thing. It's incredible when done God's way and in God's order. And so sex and marriage, it's, it's kind of like this. Sex and marriage, for those of you that are car guys, it's like having a car, and sex is like that spark plug that you have in the car. It gives it that spark, that giddy-up, all right? For those of you that don't have sex in your relationship right now, you ain't got no spark plug. And it's awful, man. Your car's just sitting there going, I got no giddy-up at all. And for those of you that are trying to put the spark plug in the car without the marriage, you're headed for a cliff. Who has the right, let me ask you, who has the right to your life or your family? Is it, is it you or is it God? Who has the right to lead your family? Well, it's God's family. It's God's marriage. It's God's sexual relationship. It's God's kids that come out of that sexual relationship. And let me say this. If you go with God's way, I concur it's the best way. Eventually, Adam and Eve would have And they had two boys. They had Cain and they had Abel. If you remember the story, Cain and Abel, they just loved each other so much and they lived happily ever after, right? No! Cain kills Abel! You know, he hates them. They're at each other's throat. Yet God's way within family, whether it's through marriage or siblings or any of that, is to love. Okay? That's really his desire, was to love each other. How many, how many of you, just, just by show of hands, have a sibling? That's like all, almost all of us, okay? For me, I have one sister. She's two and a half years younger. And how many of your siblings have an awkward way of showing you that they love you? <laughs> yeah, all right. I remember it. And my sister still does, okay? my I'm, I was kind of the quiet kid growing up, the shy kid. You know, I was the kid that was picked on and kicked. You know, like, see Back to the Future, Marty McFly, or his dad, you know, has, like, the thing kicked me on the back. That was, like, me growing up. And then my sister was, like, the one that just come in there, and she just boxed. All right, and so she's still like that. She's like just spicy. She's, she's awesome. And I remember I was a second grader. I got on the bus, okay, chronic quiet, and I'm getting picked on by these sixth graders. My sister's first day on the bus. She's a kindergartner. Some of you know the story. She walks up under the bus and she looks at the sixth grader that's picking on me. And here I am, second grade. You know, I'm going, oh, oh. And my sister says to the sixth grader, "You pick on my brother one more time, I'm going to pick on the bus." I'm like, in some weird, sick way, she loves. Okay, what it is. God wants the best for families, and so he's given us through his word, he's given us orders and provisions to protect the family unit. And if you think your family's not perfect, join the club, you're right. God's rules 
are for families that are vulnerable. Okay? His rules, his orders are not for the perfect functioning family. That's not how God set it up. He says, no, God comes from the broken. He's here for the broken. He says it's the broken that need, you know, the sick that need a doctor, not the well. And so his orders are for structure for us that have that vulnerable family, the family that's blended or the family that's mended or the family that's extended or maybe your family ended, whatever it might be. We're going to unpack those in the next couple of weeks. But God wants you to have your best family and he's given us this incredible order. And we say, you know what, Chris, my family's broken. God still loves broken things. In fact, he mends broken things together. Two out of the ten commandments in the Old Testament, you probably know these, are about family. One says, children do what? Honor your mom and dad or obey your parents, depending on what version you have. And then there's this promise that goes, it says, if you do that, guess what? It's going to go well with you or it's going to go great with you. In other words, do what your parents say. <laughs> okay, really simple. The other one says, don't commit adultery. And sometimes my kids read adultery and we're trying to get them to understand what adultery is at an early age. What does it mean? All adultery means, all adultery means, because we think, we think that adultery means that it's when somebody goes and has another relationship with somebody outside of a marital union. That is not adultery. That's what we've come to know in adultery as. Adultery simply is sex outside of a marriage relationship. That is all adultery is. Anytime you have sex outside of marriage, whether that's with another spouse, whether that's not in a marital union. It says it's adultery within the Bible. So why does God do this? Because he does it because he doesn't like this and he just wants to have all these rules and regulations. He's not about rules and regulations. He's about having the best for your family. They're to protect the family. God has this incredible order. And here we go. I'm going to dig under your fingernails just for a moment. Your family has a designated and delegated authority from God. There's a structure. So both the husband and the wife have a delegated authority, and in God's order, he shares what that looks like. Now, wives, just be patient with me, okay? Just be patient with me. He shares, God shares, and we'll get to it, that the husband is the head of the house. Both still have authority. One just has seniority since he was made first, okay? He came, what came first? The man and woman demanded, and then out of man, woman was made. Now, just stay with me. It's overused and it's abused when we talk about wives submitting to their husbands. It's one of the least things we like to say as preachers, and it's one of the least things you like to hear as a congregation member. And so let's unpack what it means biblically. It doesn't mean that the husband can say to the wife, you know, babe, go get me a beer because I'm watching TV and I'm not getting up from my throne. You're supposed to submit to me. That is not what it means. Can I hear amen? No, there's an order, okay? The husband is head over his wife. Wife, you are head over the kids. Kids, you get the pets. Okay? You get the pets. Otherwise, kids, if we don't do it in God's order, we are all going to end up dead and flushed down the toilet. Okay? So, you know, that's, that's the order. That's the way it works. And there's this delegated authority from God. If kids are talking back to mom, guess what? Mom should know that dad will back her up. Have that respect for each other. Maybe you disagree with what the Bible says. Maybe you're going, well, that's not the order I've done. Well, how are you going to figure out the order? How are you going to figure it out? You're going to do it better than God's way. Maybe that night, sometimes we are, sometimes I am. You go, well, I don't want to do it God's way. Let's, let's do it better. Whoever's the loudest can be in charge. Well, that means kids, okay? Or whoever has the biggest paycheck. Yeah, that's going to go great for you, all right? Or whoever has the most intensity. You're the extrovert, man. It means you're the boss. 
Or whoever's the smartest has the authority to say, why do you have a petty genius? You know? I guess they're in charge now, you know? So much for the family unit. When you stay in God's order, you head towards your best family. When you stay in His order. When you change the order, you're headed for a mess. I'm here to tell you, your best family is to keep the order the right way. Here we go, Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read a few verses to you. We'll have it on the screen. And uh, I'm going to go kind of quick here. But I want you to catch a few things within this. Paul writes to the church. The last part of the book of Ephesians, he writes here, and he talks about husbands and wives and family. He says this, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the son. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Guys, we have a high responsibility here. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for the body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, verse 31, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become what? One flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. A couple notes on this. Very interesting scripture. One of the most overly abused scripture in churches like ours. The Bible does not ask wives, this is really interesting. The Bible doesn't ask right here wives to love their husbands like they love their own bodies. But it says it twice for us as husbands to love our wives like the husband loves his own body. And I heard a, a pastor named Rick Bizet, you might not know who that is, South, and he kind of explained his theory on this, and I love it. His theory is this if you get a, a woman who's like a, you know, a 10, you know what I mean? Like a, a beautiful woman who's standing in front of the mirror and, and she's like just perfect, she will say to herself, what? Oh, this doesn't work. This doesn't, I need something else. This, I'm just, I don't look that great today. Ah, okay. Second is this. Us guys. Step up to that mirror. We got our love handles hanging out on sides. We got junk in our teeth. We haven't bathed in years. We look in that mirror. They were like, you the man. And God is saying this verse. When we're so naive about ourselves and love ourselves, God, He's saying, that's not Christ. We have to hide our love. So, guys, we have to keep being there. Then there's the submission. Let's touch on that. This is fun. I don't have my email address in the program. All submission means is this. It means to come under mission. To submit. It means to come under the mission. So does your wife, guys, have a mission she wants to give away, that she wants to support? If not, you're missing it, and you're not giving her a reason to submit to For me, I was at a pastor's conference with Matt here a few years ago, and one of the guys was speaking, and he was talking about having a mission for your church. And it was incredible. He said, you need to do this, that, and most of you know our mission at the church is to be life-giving. 
to connect people with eternity. And he's sharing this, this incredible message. And we're all, all pastors, hallelujah, amen, it sounds great, woo! And we get done at the end of the message, and we're all sitting there, and he just hits us hard. He goes, now we talked about that. He's like, do you have a mission for your family? And I hear you about yourself. I spent so much time going, what's the bridge going to be like? How are we going to connect with our community? What's the like? And I realized, I didn't have a mission for what my family was like. To have somebody submit your mission, you have to have mission. And so, guys, what's the mission you have for your family? Submission doesn't mean for the wife to just shut up and not say anything, okay? The wife is a general with you. She is not a private. It's not okay, honey, whatever. Well, that's wrong. That's not submission, okay? You as a wife are still submitting when you share with us guys your opinion. Sometimes you see things we don't. <laughs> this house is better, honey. I think that we'd do better if we lived here. Honey, you know what? You you spent all your time this week on the TV. Maybe you should have a little time with the kids. Okay. Um. Um. You know what? Maybe you should wake up with me this morning and go to church. And somehow, somehow in our American culture, the wives, for some reason, have taken more of the head of the house when it comes to spiritual matters. And guys, we need to reclaim that. We're going to leave our house as the head. For a kid, okay, your role is to obey and submit. Okay? Your parents see things you don't. It happens, you know, and we know, and we were all kids once. My kids, man, it's in the parking lot at Target. You know exactly what I'm talking about if you're a parent. My kids, man, Silas, he's seven, he's my youngest, and he loves to just book it and run across the parking lot. And I'd say, stop, stop, no, 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 don't go, don't go. And I'd stop him, and he'd be like, why, Dad? I said, I want you to be in my car, I love you. I don't want anything to happen to you. He said, there's no cars around, and he couldn't see. He couldn't see behind him. He does, I, as the dad, I see it all happening right in front of me. You know, and then we go inside, and what do the kids want to do in target? They want to push the cart. How many parents know you do not let your kid push the cart behind you? Your ankles will get destroyed. Oh. When delegated authority is exercised in the right way, we do it out of love. Authority, when done the right way, is really what we call servant leadership that was displayed for us in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. You're a dad, your husband. Your job is to make sure everything is taken care of in your family. That's your job. It's no light burden. And if you think it is, it's time to wake up. Dad, husband, your job is to make sure everyone in your family is blessed. Are you living in God's order so that the blessing of God remains on your household? Your job is to make sure you're living the right way and moving towards the direction God wants. God wants order. So, Dad, you have to put God at the top where he belongs in that order. Nothing else. God is the first part of the order of your family. How do we know this? Bible Psalm 127, first part says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor. We try to do it outside of God's way. But you feel like, I'm, I'm getting some headway. Just try God. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. You'll, you'll not be able to have your best family until you say to your family, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. It's his house. It's his family. It's his relationships. It's his way, it's his marriage. Do you agree with me? All right, so let me do this. I want to give you a few practical things this morning for your family, to have your best family in 28 days. And I'll invite the worship team up in just a moment. Number one is this. You need to have intentional family time with your family, okay? Whether you're single, but that means spending time with friends or asking somebody in the church, say, hey, I need to hang out with you. I know it's a little heavy on husbands today and wives. We're going to talk about dating singles in the weeks to come. 
But here's the deal. There's got to be this order, and the order comes first. You've got to have intentional family time. You've got to be spending time with people, okay? And I'm talking like, well, I did. I was on Facebook. I was, you know, Snapchatting. That doesn't count, all right? 64% of parents submit to only playing with their kids less than one hour per week. 64%. Those same 64% admit they watch 15 hours of TV a week. They could call for us. I know I probably watched more TV than I should. Okay. Let's talk about Chick-fil-A for just for a second and then get hungry for lunch time. Chick-fil-A's closed today, I'm sorry. But Chick-fil-A does an incredible thing. This is something for value for your family. Maybe you're going, we don't have a lot of money. Okay. Go to Chick-fil-A Monday through Saturday with your family. If you go up to the counter and you say, hey, I'm here with my family, they'll give you a bucket where you can check in your phone while you eat. And at the end of it, you know what they give you? Free ice cream. Just for doing that. Okay? What if you did that at our house? You know what people are going to do? In the book of the Hebrews, Paul talks about not giving up meeting together, but to encourage one another. What if you do that? He talks about meeting together. Bring that into a family unit. He's talking about the church. But in a family unit, we should never give up hanging out together. This is our family. And I encourage you to. We're talking practically. For those of you that work, your income, that have a job, most of us, use up all your vacation every year. Use it up. If you don't, you are not only cheating your marriage, you're not only cheating your kids, you're not only cheating yourself, you're actually cheating your boss. Because your boss wants the best of you. Your family wants the best of you. There's a reason it's there. Number two, at least four times a year. Again, this is not biblical. This is some practical steps that have worked in our family. At least four times a year. Do something fun with your kids. Money, though. I don't care. Do something fun that doesn't cost a lot of money. It doesn't have to be expensive. Here, let me tell you why. We went to Disney a few years ago. Have you been to Disney? Yeah, it's a ripoff. You know how much it costs for, like, mouse ears? I can find them in the kitchen on Monday morning here, okay? Like, they're, just, it's, they're expensive, all right? We spent an arm and a leg, like three arms and three legs, going to Disney. And we get home, and I'm sitting with all my kids at the dinner table, and we're going through. We do this thing once a day. We do our highs and our lows. What was your high? What was your low for the day? What was your high for the day? We're going around the table, and we get to Justice. And Justice, for those of you that know, he's my no-filter boy. He will tell you what he thinks, okay? It's a bittersweet gift to have. And he says to me, he's like, Dad, my favorite part about the Disney trip was swimming in the pool at the hotel. You're never going with us again on a trip. He's like the kid that opens up the toy. Some of you were this kid. You open up the toy and you throw the toy aside. And what do you do? You play with the box, right? Parents, you're the box. You think you're getting these great things, these great toys, these iPads, this great vacation. You know what you just want? Boxes. I just want to spend time with my wife. I don't care what we do. You know, take that box, make something cool out of it. That's what my daughter does. Number three, pray for, pray with, and pray for your family. James 5 talks about the prayer of the righteous person that it will avail much. When you pray for your family, when you pray for your kids, do it specifically and strategically and constantly. I pray for my kids all the time. Maybe you're going, I'm not going to try to do this prayer thing. I don't really pray out loud. You don't have to. Just pray for them. You know, you don't have to talk. Just pray underneath your breath. And then when you see your kids, you know what you can say to them? I just want to know you. You see your wife, you see your husband, you see your 
pieces. I mean, the church, that's it. Whatever it is. And guys, and guys, if you have kids, at night, one of the coolest things you can do is for me is for my kids. I mean, everybody in my Bible is going to be my kids. The Bible actually says the power in my mind. And I lay my hands on my kids. I pray for I pray for protection. I pray for safety. But the number one thing I pray for is they have a protection of people. And then I tell them if they don't, they don't get any inheritance. But that's besides the point. So what I say to them is this. I pray over them. But then I'll go a step further. When I'm walking down the hallway from my room from theirs, I'll pray for those people's lives. I don't know who it is. I don't know who it is. God is pretty protected. Well, that's three more good quickly. Number four, teach your kids. Well, that's why we have the public school and we have the Sunday school teacher. You did over for you. That's all you got. Deuteronomy 6 7 says, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. Talking about the ways of the world. When you lie down and when you get up. Constantly. He's talking about Jewish families getting together. They were teaching the Shema, or everything that the Bible is about in the Jewish culture, that we we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. And right here in Deuteronomy, when you read that work with me, that constantly has to teach her about our kids. We're to give them away. You're relying on the public education and the church Sunday school and one hour Sunday morning to do all that for you, you're going to be let down heavily. So I encourage you, let us assist you. Let us walk alongside of you. Tell us, hey man, I'm struggling with this with little Johnny, man, he really needs help. Okay, let's pray for him. Let's, let's walk through. But you're the ultimate teacher. Number five, add to your family discipline, but then hold them accountable. Kids thrive on rule. Yes, they push them. They will, as much as they can. They thrive on structure. You can ask Matt and Kristen, they had their first baby, and Heather and I, we talked to them, and we preached to them as if it was a religious thing, a book we found in the Bible called How to Handle Baby Infants When You Nurse Them. Okay? Because when Heather and I had our first kid, and we first had JC, we structured it. Then we had Isaac, we structured it. I can tell you that all five of our kids slept through the night at five weeks. All five. Why? Because they had structure. They knew exactly what was going to happen. I can't tell you that sleep now, but back then they did great. Okay, it's kind of like this: rules, discipline. It's kind of like this. I don't know if you like bowling. We love bowling as a family. We like to go bowling. And we go bowling, and what happens? What if you go bowling and if you're bad like me at bowling? I'm better on the Wii. But if you if you're bowling, a lot of times that ball ends up what? If you ever go bowling with Pastor Matt, his ball goes in the gutter a lot. Okay, so it goes right in the gutter, right down. He hopes to break 100. So it, when that happens, you know, I beat him just about every time. I think he beat me a couple times. Well, the rules and structure and the accountability basically like putting those bumpers. You know what I'm talking about? Matt and I have never used them, by the way, but those bumpers you put in the gutters. And what happens is your kids, they're trying things. And then that ball kind of bounces back and forth. But eventually, with your structure, with your leadership, you teaching them, that ball will hit the right mark. Without that there, no limits You have to the last one is this, and then invite The last one is this. Serve others. Serve others. There's a direct this is a study done. There's a direct correlation between you serving others as a parent and the greater chance or opportunity your child will hold on to their faith later on in life. There's a direct correlation. The more they see you serving others, the higher chance that they will 
walk out their faith. So I don't know about you, it's important for them to see us as parents in this. Give them away. My daughter showed this to me a few years ago. She had a birthday and we said, What do you what do you want to do? So what do you want for your birthday? And she was thinking through and she had a list and we we're getting ready to have a big party and a cake and all you know, everything that we do in our culture. And she came to me and she said, Dad, I don't want to have a birthday like that. I want to actually go and I want to serve on my birthday. And I said, Okay, that's crazy. What do you want to do? And she's like, Have you ever heard of Feed My Starving Children? Of course. She said, can I take a couple of my friends and the money that you're going to spend on my birthday, can you give it to me so that I can go and give it to feed my starving children and we can go volunteer our time for a couple hours and pack boxes for those that are in need? That ball went the right way eventually, you know. So I said, yeah, yeah. She saw us. She saw my my wife and I. We love to serve. It's a passion of ours. It doesn't take a lot of to do that. We just enjoy it. And so she saw that. That was represented for her. And guess what her brothers now see? They see her doing it. Guess what they're doing now? They're serving. It all comes down. Just a few practical things to take for your family. The next 28 days, month of February, number one, I want you to be open to what the Word of God says. And number two, I want you to be open to have the best family you can have. We're going to hit a lot of things in the next three weeks. This is just the opening of it. So I hope that some of this today was valuable for where you're at within your family, whether you're single whether you're dating, whether you're married, whether you're trying to figure it out, whether you're just a kid. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.